Want a fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL? Then you've picked the right place. Jim Derry has plenty of datitude, and he's ready to tell you the way it is. Well, the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends across the country who are still delving in the Halloween candy because it reminds you the last time the Saints won. Welcome to Datitude, episode number 31. For a Friday, December 3rd, 2021, I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at The Advocate, Times Picayune, and bet.nola.com. Oh my goodness, it was hard to wake up this morning. I mean, I don't think I even went to bed until... I didn't fall asleep till after four. It was rough. I was at the Dome last night. Um, we had the live show at Harris, and then uh, I was at the Dome for the game, writing my monologue, my Derry's Dime. Fun when to write. That's right, boys and girls. For the first time in the Sean Payton era, the Saints have now lost five games in a row after falling 27-17 to the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday night. It is the first time that such a streak, a dubious streak, has happened since Todd Bauman went 25-37 of for 265 yards with a touchdown and two interceptions. In Jim Hazlitt's last game as coach on January 1st, 2006 at the Pirate Ship in a 27-13 Tampa Bay Bucks victory. Five games in a row. Last time they lost five in a row was the last time, the last game that Sean Payton wasn't coach of the Saints. Last night we had a different quarterback behind center. Taysom Hill finally got his turn. Some say it was no different than before. Others, like myself, say it was very different. What do you say? Email me at jderryattheadvocate.com or shout out to me at Jim Derry Jr. on Twitter. Let me know what you think. I had an interesting back and forth with my colleague and manager, Zach Ewing, via text last night toward the end of the game that I want to share and talk about. Because I think it kind of is a microcosm of what a lot of people were thinking. Not necessarily what I was thinking, because I don't... I mean, the Taysom haters were were silent for three quarters, and then, bam, boy, they, they come out of the woodworks. Jeff Duncan will be coming on the show in about 12 to 15 minutes to share his thoughts and what he thought, whether there was any difference there. And we'll wrap up the podcast with Five Star Friday... Uncle Big Nick and I make our picks for the big college conference championship weekend and the rest of NFL Week 13. But first, before we get to Derry Dimes, Derry's Dime, whatever I want to call it, you know what I mean, my take, as I do after every Saints game, we offer a musical interlude to share the first thing that entered my head as the game was winding down to another lousy conclusion.
Hey, let's get this out of the way right off the bat. You know, I got what I wanted. I got what I wanted and what many other fans of the Saints wanted. Taysom Hill at quarterback. The end result, no matter what happened throughout the course of three and a half hours on Thursday night, was exactly the same as what happened the four previous weeks. It was a 10-point loss to the Cowboys in a game that it never really felt like the Saints would win. But one of the things I proclaim throughout the five-game losing streak is no excuses, and you'll get none here either. The defense played well. The run defense was absolutely phenomenal. The offense, well, it was a mixed bag. More specifically, Taysom did not play well enough for this team to win. Had you not watched the game Thursday and only glanced at the stats sheet, you might say Trevor Simeon was better than Taysom Hill. Except for the obvious Russian line, Simeon's numbers most certainly were at the minimum equal. The final line for Taysom Hill was 19 of 41, 264 yards with two touchdowns and four interceptions. That's more picks than Simeon threw in four and a half games. It's about the same yardage total Simeon averaged per game and a lesser completion percentage than Simeon averaged. That being said, anyone who wants to debate whether it was the same or worse team with Hill as it was with Trevor Simeon, bring it on, baby, bring it on. Because you were either watching a different game than me or you need to take a football 101 refresher. It simply was not close. What Hill did was inject life into a unit that so desperately needed it. What can Taysom do that Simeon can't? Oh, let me count the ways. What did Sean Payton think? That we did well in the first half. I thought we played well defensively. I thought we stopped the run. I thought we stayed on schedule. I thought we did a few things offensively. Obviously, the turnover going in before the half in the red area um, was a significant play. I think they ended up turning around on their next drive and scoring. Um, so the second half uh, obviously was different, but it's difficult. It's difficult losing. Um, you know, we have a few days here where we've got to get back and, you know, get, get on to the next game. But um, any questions? No, he was playing quarterback. Um, I heard his finger. Uh, we had to splint it somewhere in the first half. But, you know, he felt, he felt, uh, Good enough to go, but our plan was to play him. I don't look. I don't know. You'd have to ask him. I thought, man, I thought he played with a lot of heart, a lot of guts. You know, we didn't help many in the first half. You know, I'll be honest with you. We got to catch that 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 first interception. We got we got a it's the perfect coverage look we get. We drop a ball. They make a good play on it. Um, that's unfortunate. So, like he said, I mean, Hill didn't get any help. Didn't help him any in the first half. One thing I know for sure is Peyton's demeanor obviously was different than it was in the past couple of games. Here's my question to Taysom haters. Does anyone who actually watched the game last night truly believe 
The Saints would be 5-7 and seven with a healthy hill from the get-go after Jameis Winston went down. Look, I don't, I don't want to bash Simeon anymore. I'm not going to bash him any longer. It was clear Peyton felt better about the team last night than he did after the Buffalo game, even if the Houdats don't feel any different. That leads me to the aforementioned back and forth I had with Zach Ewing toward the end of the game. And Zach is going to sort of play the role of all the Taysom haters in this spot. And by the way, I don't think Zach cares either way. Um, the things he brought up, I, th- I think some of it was just to be a contrarian. But some of the things are, are, are the same things that haters were saying and, and tweeting at me last night. Like they couldn't wait. It's like they had their messages typed in before the game and they were just holding on to them until, okay, now I can send it. There are indeed a ton of social mediaites. Is that a word? Social mediaites. If it's not, I'm making it one. I just got to figure out how to pronounce it. Those social mediaites who almost hoped he'd fail. You know, first, Zach didn't text me, just like the social mediaites who didn't tweet at me. Zach didn't text me until the fourth quarter when it was clear to everyone this was a different team with Hill. The haters didn't say a word either. I didn't hear a peep when it was 13 to 10 midway through the third quarter. In fact, I didn't, I didn't hear a peep from anyone until near the end of the game when it was clear it was out of reach. He didn't text me when Taysom was doing things his predecessor simply can't do. The haters didn't call me out when Taysom hurdled the defender for a first down. No one texted me or at Jim Derry Jr.'d me when Peyton was using Taysom in a way that Dallas clearly had no answer for. The one thing that Zach texted me that did ring true, at least in part, was his final text. It read, quote, If we're going to blame Simeon for all those losses, then we've got to blame Taysom for this one. Point being, the quarterback hasn't really been the problem. The rest of the offense is in tatters too. Unquote. I, do, I, I agree with the part. If you're going to blame Simeon, then you have to at least blame a huge chunk on Hill last night. That being said, quarterback through the previous four games and partly last night, but I, his, it, it was the biggest problem. I don't care who was playing. You can talk about injuries all you want. And obviously the Saints have, I mean, Deuce McAllister said before the game on WWL, he's never seen anything like this where this many starters have been out. The difference is, I don't think it would have made one iota of difference for Trevor Simeon. And it's easy to say now. But it would, it's going to make a big difference when some of these guys come back. We'll find out in the coming weeks with Taysom Hill. You know, there's a reason Jameis won the job and that they were 5-2 and two with him in there. Jameis... I mean, but even him with these injuries, what do you think? What do we think he would be? The Saints would be if Jameis never got hurt, seven and five, maybe six and six with these injuries. Last night, Hill was good enough through three plus quarters. Is the point? 
it was the opposite of what we saw the past four weeks. He kept the team in the game until the end, or pretty close to the end. Instead of Simeon padding numbers after he sunk the Saints into a hole, he'll have his numbers going to the crapper at the end when he was forcing things and trying to make things happen in a close game. And I'm not going to blame refs, but I think it's a different game if some phantom absolutely BS blindside block gets called on Garrett Griffin if it doesn't get called early in the third quarter after the defense had shut down Dallas on their first possession of the third quarter in a one-score game. Completely different game. And we'll never really know, right? That changed the whole game. Hill finished with, by far, the most rushing yards in the game for either team. He did things, as I said, Simeon can't do. He did things Jameis can't do. He had 101 rushing yards on 11 carries, with 89 of them coming in the second half. It was clear Sean Payton figured his only chance at winning was to use the best athlete on the field in a way that earned him that gigantic salary extension. If you remember back when Taysom Hill started four games for Drew Brees last year, he didn't want to run Taysom that much. He didn't want to take a chance on hurting him. And it started off that way last night, and he realized there's no way I can win this game unless I let him do his thing. So let's go back to what I said 10 minutes ago. There's no way one can intelligently debate this is a better team with Simeon at quarterback. In fact, you sound almost as silly if you say it's the same team. Imagine if Hill had been in there from the start. We'll never know. We asked what Jameis' record would be had he never got hurt. What would the Saints be had Taysom come in in the Falcons game and had been at full strength or whatever strength he was last night? They'd be better than 5-7. and seven. You can scream at your phone and call me an idiot or whatever you want. All you want are tell me I'm wrong, but I'm not wrong. Even if the Saints were 6-6 six and six right now, it would make a huge difference if you're talking about playoff potential. And we're going to get into playoff potential with Jeff Duncan. There's no room for error now. And even if you're assuming 9-8 and eight will be good enough to earn the seventh seed, means the Saints can afford only one loss. And that has to be coming to Tampa Bay. They're not beating Tampa Bay this next time. <laughs> you can bet your sweet bippy that the Bucks are going to be sitting and waiting. Come on, bring it on. So the question is, can they win the other four games against the Jets, Dolphins, Panthers, and Falcons? I doubt it. Does it even matter at this point? Does this team want to go to Green Bay or Tampa Bay the third weekend of January? I guess in the grand scheme of things, I shouldn't feel more positive than I did before last night's loss. In reality, it's just about time to begin thinking about 2022. And no matter what side of the Taysom slash whoever else is playing quarterback debate you're on, it really doesn't matter. Because what has higher odds? He'll be in the starter next year 
at quarterback or Simeon even being on the roster? You know the answer to that. One thing that would be a bigger upset than the Saints making the playoffs this season would be either of those guys being the starter on opening day next September. And Simeon is not going to be on this roster. With the new Nats long gone from the bandwagon and back to shopping on Sundays, who Nats can sit back and enjoy the Taysom show over the course of the next five weeks, whether you're a hater or not? It should be one interesting ride. And that's a hell of a lot more than we could say about the past five weeks. And that's my dime. You know, I just find it amazing. I, I, don't, I don't understand. Look, I'm not... These Taysom haters have turned me into a guy that's rooting for him. Because before the season, I was not. And I don't mean I, was, I wasn't rooting against him. But I wasn't where I am now. I mean, I hope he goes out and beats the Jets 40 to 10. Will that shut people up? I don't get it. I just don't understand. There are people that hated Jameis. There are people that hate Taysom. There are people that, I guess, people are going to yell at their phone and say, you hate Simeon. I don't hate Simeon. He's incapable. You cannot win. I knew this. You cannot win with him at quarterback. With Taysom playing, it's either going to be one of two things. The Saints are either going to win or he's going to make it entertaining. And I'll take entertaining over that dog crap that I've been watching the last four weeks. That's for sure. So say whatever you want about that. Do they get Alvin Kamara back in the two tackles? Who knows? I mean, at this point, I mean, do you risk injury to Alvin Kamara? I mean, this is is the second year now that he's had some kind of injury that's kept him out of multiple games. You got to worry. You got to wonder. Also goes to show you can't, to me, other than quarterback, you can't, you can't spend a ton of money on one play. Maybe tackle. Tackle and quarterback. Other than that, you can't, you can't pay a lot of money to one player, no matter who it is. You just can't. I mean, I think the Saints have proven that. So, we'll see what happens in the near future. But uh, obviously, there are going to be some big changes in the offseason. Trying to keep my voice as fresh as possible, so I'm not going to go any more into a rant than I've already gone. Colin Ponchatoula and Acadiana tonight. Looking forward to that. Class 5A semifinals game at the Swamp. In case you don't know much about prep football, <clears throat> if you've lived in New Orleans longer than uh, a few years, you know who Hank Tierney is. And Hank Tierney gets an Acadiana team tonight that um, has been a thorn in his side in the playoffs. Going for win number 300. We'll see what happens. But I do want to get to Jeff Duncan, and I want to, do, I want to talk about last night and get his take. And, um, you know, he was sitting right below me last night. We were going to do uh, the interview in the Dome, but uh, some things happened that didn't work out that way. So we recorded it this morning. I don't think either one of us feels any different than we did last night anyway. Let's get to it. Welcoming in Datitude's best friend, Jeff Duncan. Um, 
It was tough to get up this morning, wasn't it, man? Yeah, I came early too. It's the first time in a while. <laughs> it sure did. We've had such a quick turnaround like that, man. I, when we were walking out of the dome last night, I was like, hey, "Is it this late?" And I couldn't believe it was that late when we got out of there. Yeah, I didn't get out till about twelve thirty, and um, it was uh, it was a long ride home and uh, a lot to think about. And um, you know, coming into this morning, I I don't know why I feel better about this team. I mean, maybe maybe I'm the only one, and I mean, you can. Tell me to jump off the ledge if you want. I mean, usually it's, it's you know, talk me off the ledge or whatever. I tell me to climb back in the window or whatever. But I, maybe we're playing opposite roles this week. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one. But uh, I know he threw four picks. But um, this t- felt like a different team to me last night. And, um, you know, I, I at least for the first three-plus quarters – um, they were moving the football, and I know they only scored 10 points, but uh, 17 eventually, but it was a different offense, I thought. Well, I mean, there's certainly some signs of encouragement. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, they have, I think, accounted, what, seven plays of 23 yards or more. Um, that's been missing from the offense, explosive plays. They're last in the entire league. I think the total JDA was, uh, I think they had, eight total plays of 23 yards or more in the three previous games with Trevor Simeon. They had seven with Taysom Hill. So, yes, that area was much better, but it's hard to get excited when you make those kind of mistakes. Now, some of those, I think, are a natural byproduct of starting to press. And we didn't see Taysom Hill make those kind of mistakes last year in that starting role when he wasn't having to press. He would – he would live live for another down. These are the kind of things that happened to Jameis Winston when he was in Tampa uh, and planned to play catch up. You know, you end up forcing some things, but a couple of them were just bad decisions too. Uh, and I think as much as the interceptions, some of the things that bothered me was just some of the inaccuracy. And we know that that's what you're going to have to live with, with Taysom Hill. He's not for breeze. Nobody's for breeze. Let's get that out of the way, uh, you know, first, but, but he's still accurate enough to short circuit some of the drives, but he does bring some kind of intangible and tangible quality in that he kind of gives a little juice to the offense and um, he's certainly physical. And so he adds that tangible quality when he runs the ball. I mean, he ran for 101 yards. <laughs> he, he led right. the team. He had almost right. all their offense. When you really look back at it, it was almost like he was back at Brigham Young and he was doing everything. And you can't win that way uh, in the NFL, at least not against a team as good as Dallas. But yet, you look at where the team was at certain points, and first drive of the third quarter, some phantom blindside block call. I don't know what that ref was looking at. I really don't. But to me, that changed the whole game. I mean, that that changed the momentum of the entire game. The Saints get a stop from off of Dallas of the of the second half kickoff. And and look like they're going to move the ball. They they get a nice nice gain, I think, of twenty some odd yards, and they get called for some something I've never seen called on a play like that, where guys picking up a blitz. It changed everything. Yeah, it was awful. I mean, that was I've never seen that call in my life. I have no idea what he was calling. I mean, I know the I know the blindside uh, play, you know, penalty. I know that penalty. That was not it. I don't know what he's thinking. And, yeah, I agree with you. It was a huge call. 
Uh, I don't know if, it, if the Saints win the game. You know, I think right. it's a game-changing call. But it, it definitely hurt them. And the, I think the the more important thing, Jim, is this team is just – it's got such little margin for error that when it has those kind of things, when, when you do drop a pass like Kenny Stills and it ends up being an interception in the red zone or when you do get a bad call, it just gets magnified with this team because they're just not good enough to overcome those bad breaks. There's no doubt about that. And I, I certainly think that's, that's true. And, um, you know, there was, it seemed to me, and I need to go back and look, I still, I haven't watched the game again. I haven't watched the highlights. I haven't gone back and watched anything. I mean, I came home, I got home at almost 2 AM and went and crashed, but, um, one, there was another, I thought on the, on the Pollard run, um, I don't even know what his name is. Number 17 going around the left end. I thought it, there was a pretty significant hold there. Um, and again, I could be c- completely wrong. I tried to watch the replay on the screen and, and uh, it was tough to see, but I, you know, you're talking about two plays and you're right. That just goes to show this team is not, it's not Drew Brees team and everybody needs to get that through their head. Me, you, everybody, all the fans, everybody. It's not a team that can overcome any major catastrophe, whether it's self-inflicted or not. I mean, they might be able to get away with one or one or even two in a game, but certainly not four picks and a couple of missed officials calls. No, and you know, right now there's a pretty died in the wool blueprint on how to beat the Saints. I mean, we saw it again last night. I mean, you, you gang the line of scrimmage, you shut down the running game, and you force whoever's a quarterback to try and beat you through the air. And then offensively, you know, you pick on Bradley Roby on key situations. You run oh a bunch of God, bunch, yes. a bunch, bunch alignments, crossing routes. Uh, you move the pocket around, let the quarterback have some mobility, get out on the edge. It, I mean, we see the same thing every week. It's it, everyone in the league knows how to beat the Saints, and they really haven't. They they're incapable of countering it right now because they don't have the manpower. As much as the Saints coaching staff, as much as I respect them, there's just not enough manpower there to to counter what what's going on. As great as the Saints were against the run last night, and they were outstanding. They shut Ezekiel Elliott down, and other than the one Pollard run, they didn't give up anything. Um, but there were a couple of passing plays where I'm not, I'm not sure what Roby was doing. And one thing about sitting up there in the press box is you get a different view than you get on TV that I really appreciate. And um, that first scoring drive for Dallas, there was a, there was a play where, I mean, Dak looked right at Amari Cooper and could tell that's where he was. You could tell you that's where he was going to go before the play even started. I could even see it. Roby's playing about eight yards off of Cooper. Cooper makes one move and gets past him and ends up gaining like 25 yards. There was another play later on where C.D. Lamb did the same thing, was on a run. Uh, they ended up calling it a run and not a pass. But, I mean, it, I'm not sure w- what Roby w- was doing out there. He made one or two decent plays. But other than that, he got toasted quite a few times. Yeah, that was an awful game for him. And, um yeah, again, it goes back to what we were saying earlier. I mean, when you really look at the big picture, Jim, they gave up a 41-yard pass to Cooper. That's really all Cooper had. He had two catches for 41 yards, so he didn't even gain yards on his other catch. They had the 58-yard run by Pollard, and then C.D. Lamb had a 33-yard run, which was kind of a pass. And that's about it, man. I mean, And also one pass Roby, by the way. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but my point is, like, seven of the points Dallas scored were on a pick six. So the defense gave up 20. That should be good enough to win. I mean, that's a good offense yep. the Saints were countering. But they 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 just can't afford anything right now. They can't. They don't have the offense to overcome any points totals in the in the mid to upper twenties. They're just not going to get there. I don't think until they get Kamara and, and the tackles back. Uh, they've got a they got shot. But I mean, I had that stat last night. I don't know if you saw. You probably didn't because it's, it's it's such a quick turnaround. But they've only led for I think it's six minutes total in the last five games. They haven't led for a single second in the last three games combined. I mean, not at all. They're playing catch up the whole time. And this team just isn't built to do that. I mean, they're, they're built to kind of be in a, 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 you know, a shortened game where they control the clock and can mix up the run and pass and make things easy on the quarterback. And instead they're once their quarterback gets in catch up mode, we've seen Trevor Simeon now and Taysom Hill. I mean, they're going to struggle. But the difference last night was, and I, again, I don't want to sound like an apologist for a guy that I was calling for. I mean, it's easy for me to defend a guy that I've been calling for him for the last three weeks. I called for him before anybody else was. So it's easy for me to just jump out and find a way to defend him. I get that. The difference was last night, it was a truly competitive game until things kind of snowballed from him and he threw a couple picks there towards the end to make the stats look worse. He did the opposite of Simeon, really. He had some really bad stats at the end that made his stats look worse than they really were, as opposed to Simeon, who is 7 for 21 for 56 yards, and then, okay, now the Saints are losing by three or four touchdowns, and let's make it look good. Um, Neither one is good. I get that. And neither one has had weapons. So you can't completely bash Simeon to, to no end because he didn't have Kamara either, or he was missing Ramchek for most of the time too. But th- there's no question that at least I feel like this team has to has a chance to win with number seven back there. I mean, he was – Don't do you feel that way at least? I don't know. Well, yeah, look, he, he ran for 100 yards and threw for 264 yards. He, his uh, completion percentage was not good, 19 of 41, less than 50%. Um, too many errant throws for me uh, on simple, some simple throws that could be completed. I, I think those things have a cumulative effect. You can start to see the body language of his teammates start to kind of be uh, affected. I, I think everybody's pressing right now, not just not just the offensive skill players, but I think Sean Payton's pressing. I, I think everybody. I think this this break needs a, it, it comes at a good time for them mentally. I think more than anything else. Obviously, physically they can get some of these guys back, but I think they're all pressing and they just got to find a way to get over the hump and get a win. Uh, and if they can't get one coming up against the jets, I don't know when they're going to get one, but I do think you're right. I, I think if they play within themselves, they just, I think what other thing we have to pull back on is realize that's a good team. They played and, and Buffalo is a really good team. The, the saints have played two of the probably five best teams in the NFL the last two weeks. And they're playing without six starters, seven starters on offense. Uh, you're probably not going to win. So you, even, as much as they fought and clawed, um, they you know it wasn't good enough against a good team like that. With I mean, there's stars all over the team. Pardon the pun for the Cowboys. Yeah. I mean, how many stars do the Saints have uh, on offense? I mean, they have nobody. None. I mean, Taysom Hill is the closest thing they've got. You know. 
No, so agreed. It's, it's tough to win. Uh, agreed. And, uh, you know, also, you know, this, this, this is a team that just – even you talk about Sean Payton pressing. I mean, trying a 56-yard field goal with a guy that – I mean, instead of going for it on fourth and seven, either punt – and I know you don't want to punt from your own 38 or 36 or whatever the heck it was. I get that. Um, but then go for it. I mean, at least if you don't get it, you're going to give them the ball at the 30. It didn't end up costing them points because because uh, Dallas stalled and had to punt and they only went like 15 yards. But th- to me, that that reeked of desperation. There's no score. You, your defense has done a good job on two drives, and you try a 56-yard field goal with a guy that you know is not going to make that kick. I mean, so okay. it just it gives the show a lot. I'm with you, man. I thought he should have punted there. I mean, I think the defense is going to have to carry the team, and you punt there early. I mean, look, they they controlled Dallas's high-scoring offense for most of that game. I think Dallas – I just was looking, J.D., I think they were incredible. Two for 13 on third down. I mean, that's that's impressive. Hold that team two for 13. So, yeah, punt them deep. Maybe you get a turnover down there. You know, there's nothing wrong with playing field position. Uh, I didn't like that decision. I, I know he was probably trying to get a little juice early, trying to get on the scoreboard. Uh, but I'm, I'm with you. I think that's that's a classic case of Sean Payton not thinking himself. Yeah, well, I guess, like you said, uh, a lot of people are pressing, and even uh, even the greatest mastermind of offense this city has ever seen, uh, really, maybe this whole region has ever seen, just is trying to figure things out as well. So, who knows? Um, all right, about this team's future. Um, you know, there are still Houdats holding out hope. And, you know, I was talking to a couple of our colleagues last night who I'm going to re- leave nameless. Um, but um, some people, I don't know if they were wishful thinking or what, or watching something different than I'm watching, but still think, still have reason to think this team can go to the playoffs. And, I mean, I guess realistically – if you want to say it, there's no margin for error, you can probably lose to Tampa Bay, win the rest of them, and go. Nine and eight will probably be good enough. I just don't see it. I don't, I don't see how they're not going to lose a game they're not supposed to win. I mean, it, it, what do you see? You know, I don't know if nine and eight is going to be good enough. I know I've had uh, back and forth on that. I think someone else is going to get hot here and get to 10 and seven around the league. There's too many teams bust in that middle. Uh, so I, I don't know. Maybe he does because it's a different year with seven teams can get in. You get that extra berth. Uh, but I don't think – I'll be surprised if 9-8 and eight gets in. And the Saints have lost so many NFC games, you know. It's going to be hard to win tiebreakers as well. And I don't see any way in hell they're going to beat Tampa Bay. I don't care what anybody says about – they're, uh, you know, match up well. They're in Tom Brady's head. Agreed. They're going to they're, they're gonna have everything. They're going to get everything from Tampa Bay in that game. Tampa Bay's heard about how they can't beat the Saints. Tom Brady's had his worst games. It's going to be on prime time. It's going to be like the Christians and the Lions, man. Yeah. I'm telling you. That game is going to be ugly. Yeah. The Saints fans better be prepared for it. You didn't just poke the bear. You stuck them with a spear. And uh, and he's gonna be running at you. He's not gonna. He's gonna be chomping at the bit to get to that game. Yes, and then you know the guy got into it with Leonard Fournette after the game. You know, you know he's gonna remember that. This is his hometown team. Uh, I don't think there's gonna be any mercy in that game. 
I, I know there won't be. I just and, and the Saints are a wounded animal right now. I mean, they're now maybe if they get AK back and the tackles, uh, they can get in there into a slugfest game with them and compete. But uh, I, I just when I watch these teams play, it's so apparent that. And I would say this: this is one thing that I think is an off-season story to do, but I don't think it would hurt Sean Payton to bring in another offensive mind in that in that in that room in that offensive meeting room. Oh, I mean, you don't I know think they you ever in, do that, do you? Well, they brought in Jim Chaney, and he's, he is in there. I mean, Jim Chaney's been offensive coordinator all over the all over the country in places. Uh, but I could just—I just think they could use. Use a little life, you know. A little, you know. He did that a few years back on defense. They they overhauled the defense. It's the best thing they ever did, really. That and getting Jeff Ireland in. But I don't think it would hurt them to get some new ideas in that offensive side of the ball. I'm not saying that they're that's the magic elixir. I don't think there's any magic elixir to what's going on right now. But uh, it'd be a good time maybe to bring in some new ideas. He and Pete Carmichael have been doing this together a long time. It doesn't hurt to have some new minds in there. I know there's always a big drop off when you go from your starter to your your backup, and I'm not even talking about quarterback anymore. But it seemed to me that in the, there have been many years. I mean, the same, to me, this kind of shows where the Saints are salary cap wise because it seemed to me there wasn't as big a drop off from second string left tackle and second string right tackle to where we are now. And they didn't play that bad; they played as well as they could. I'm not giving the O-line a, a bunch of grief. I'm just saying in general, that's kind of a microcosm. And you look at Kamara, Kamara's gone, and you got to go fish Mark Ingram away from Houston to make something work and to have patchwork. To me, it, this is just – this team is is in a spot to where it's it's it, it hasn't been in quite a few years. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm, well, we've never seen this kind of – I think there's a combination of things here going on here. It's not just the injuries. I mean, the injuries are obviously, you know, great because they're, they're, they've come to key players. I mean, they come right. Uh, Dave Barry, the old uh, columnist from the Miami Herald used to say, you know, there are teeth and there are key teeth. You know, you, you can lose <laughs> one way back here. You don't want to lose one up here. And the Saints sure. are losing key teeth right now. You know, they're losing, uh, you know, they're losing their stars. They're, you can lose your, outside linebacker and it's not going to be that big a deal, but you lose your tackles. I go back to the Andy Reed line, you know, when he's talking about built roster building, he said, give me a quarterback, uh, a shutdown corner an edge rusher and two tackles and I'll figure out the rest. Well, those are kind of the key positions and the saints are missing both tackles and their quarterback right now. And, you know, and their star running back. So I, I think it's difficult to overcome that. But the other thing I was going to say is this has occurred this uh, you know, injury sprees occurred in the one off season when the Saints really robbed their depth because they had to purge the salary cap. They could least afford to have these injuries because they they had to rid themselves of so many good veteran players uh, that they couldn't afford this kind of debacle. And, it, and it's really I don't see how they get out of it. It almost goes to, I, I, yeah. It almost goes to show what what kind of job the coaching staff actually did getting them. To a place where they were five and two to start the season, uh, it says a lot about where the, who they are. Um, when you say that you don't know how they're going to get out of it, do you mean like long term, or do you mean just this season? Yeah, just this season. I mean, they'll they'll rally the troops in the off season and going going whatever direction they decide. But I just think 
Look, they, they can beat the Jets. They, they I don't know if they're going to be able to beat Miami. Miami's playing very well right now. I don't now. either. Yeah. I mean, Miami's really good defensively right now. So I, I just I, I have a hard time believing this team's going to make the playoffs. I mean, I just don't see it. I, I don't see anything that they're doing really well right now except shutting down the run defensively. That's kind of been a staple all year long except the Eagles game. The special teams haven't really been very good. They're not getting those returns like they used to get out of Harris. They were obviously missing some place kicks. Uh, Blake Gilkin's been good. Coverage units been good. But, I mean, there's just nothing uh, consistently uh, great about this team in any way. And uh, I think in this day and age where offense rules, uh, we see it every year. The top offensive teams are the ones that make the Super Bowl. Uh, Saints are not anywhere close to being the top. They're, they're going to finish so far down. It's it's mind-boggling, J.D. The, the lowest they've ever been offensively is 12th, and that was last year. Yeah. They've been top five almost every year, and now they're going to be in the low 20s, which is mind-boggling considering the, the history they've had here. Good, and uh, close to 30. We'll, we'll wait and see. But, but yeah, they're going to be – it's going to be way down there. Um, and – I don't, I I think it's worse than that. I don't think they. I don't see how they don't finish with ten losses. I mean, I just don't. Um, you got to go three and three the rest of the way to avoid ten losses with this new schedule and go seven and ten. And I, I'm not sure they're going to go three and three. And, that, and that, that's okay. I mean, I, at this point, I'm not sure it matters. And Sean has done the best he can to keep this team viable and. Uh, I was a little hard on him a few weeks ago, I think. And and I think I look back at and realize now, had he been able to make the switch to Taysom, he probably would have. Um, I don't think this team would be five and seven had Taysom started from day one from the Falcons game. I don't know. I mean, we'll never know. But looking back on it, it's easier to see now that, that Hill probably wasn't right. I still don't know why Book wasn't active for a couple of those games. Um, maybe you just didn't want to be tempted to throw him to the Wolves. I don't know, um, but it, it it's frustrating for a lot of people who are used to w- to looking at success over and over and over again for years and years and years, and that's a hard thing to accept when your Hall of Fame quarterback is gone and you can't overcome some of the things that you might normally be able to. It probably is similar to the way Patriots fans felt last year. You yeah, know? for sure. I mean, I think they had a similar drop off after Brady left. <clears throat> They, you know, got they kind of rallied this past offseason, had a great offseason, got Mac Jones, fixed quarterback position, and look where they're at. I mean, they've got a huge game on Monday night coming up against Buffalo, and they've won, I think, six in a row or something like that. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think people should doubt the front office. I think the track record is there. Um, you could maybe at question letting Trey Hendrickson go. <laughs> That's something yeah, that for we, sure. could all, we could all debate maybe one day. But because that's certainly looking like a mistake, but um, finding a quarterback is going to be the top priority in this off season. I'm with you. I don't see this team getting back in the playoff picture. I just don't, I think they have too much to overcome. Even if they get some of these guys back, um, there's just no room for marching for error right now. And they're, they're outmanned. Uh, even if they get everybody back, I think they're still going to have trouble uh, beating Tampa Bay and Miami the rest of the way. So, um, you know, and you're right. It's, it, Look, they've never finished worse than seven and nine under Sean Payton. And really, if you think about it, throughout the Katrina season, which was a, an outlier, I mean, that's those situations and circumstances were extraordinary. 
the whole organization hasn't been worse than seven and nine since the Ditka years in '99, and that's that's insane. Uh, that's an, that's a very impressive run where you're always kind of in it. Right. And I think that's what this team is now staring at. Are they going to be one of those irrelevant teams that's going out there in mid to late December completely out of it and playing games that don't matter? That's something Sean Payton really has they've never really done. I think they've had less than a handful of irrelevant games in his entire 15-year tenure, which is crazy. Here's your trivia question of the day. And you've been around this team for a long time. Who quarterbacked the game when the Saints, the last time the Saints lost their fifth game in a row, who was the quarterback? Was that uh, uh, Todd Bauman? It was. I'm, I'm impressed you, you remember that. And I know you were covering the team then, but still, that would be easy to forget. <laughs> that oh, yeah. really truly easy to forget. So I'm, I'm well, watching, you, you know, know why I, you know I remember because he is like the one that's kind of symbolized that Katrina year to me. Yeah. Like I just, I just remember thinking, Oh my God, they're going to Todd Bauman. Uh, it's over, you know, like they, they've got <laughs> that's no how desperate you are. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there were the worst time him. saints fans, <laughs> you know, saints fans who are, and I, I told this with Mike the the other day, I mean, if you think about it, you know, Saints fans who are younger than, I'd say, 35, 36, you probably really don't remember anything, not significantly, before Drew Brees. I mean, I vaguely remember tidbits of Archie Manning playing. I knew I loved him. I loved watching him play. I remember the Ken Stabler year a little bit. But, I mean, I really don't remember a whole ton before, you know, let's say, before Hebert. I mean, I remember, but not not great. So if you're if you're older, if you're younger than 35 or 36, you don't really remember that much before Drew Brees. So Todd Bauman and and, and even Aaron Brooks, you remember him playing, but I mean, it's not like it's right there in the, in your in your head. Not that you'd want to remember well, it. Well, Amy just had a had a really good tweet the other day about speaking of younger than 35. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's yeah, Amy's Amy's figuring it out right now what the other half lives like. But um, she she had the, the good point that the last time the Saints started three different quarterbacks in the season was the last Ditka season in 99. That was the two Billy Joes and Jake DeLone. So, uh, yeah, you're, we're learning what the other half lives like. I mean, the having Drew Brees for 15 years is extraordinary. I mean, that just doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's unprecedented, really, to have the same head coach and quarterback together and, and have them both be that great for that long. And now we're seeing just how difficult it is to find one of those guys. I mean, th- there was a, a coach once told me the, the NFL is divided up in the haves and the have-nots, the haves that have their franchise quarterback and everybody right. else is trying to find one. And that's right. where the Saints are right now. And you look at all the teams that are in the playoff hunt and have realistic team chances to win a Super Bowl title. And what do they all have in common? They all have – a franchise quarterback, maybe not a Hall of Fame quarterback, but they all have a franchise quarterback, and that's uh, something you certainly have to have to be able to win in this league. Look, before I let you go, um, you know, the last time we we spoke, we didn't really know what was going to happen with LSU, um, and I think I think we both kind of thought um, that it was going to be someone we hadn't really talked about. I mean, I Lincoln Riley was kind of off the table, and, and and so who's it going to be? I think it, you know, so. The name Brian Kelly itself kind of surprised me, but the fact that it was someone like Brian Kelly 
does not surprise me because we know Scott Woodward was swinging for the fences, and I guess you have to say he hit a home run. No, I definitely think he did. Uh, you know, it's funny. I heard Brian Kelly's name early on, but uh, give Scott Woodward credit, man. He kept things close to the vest. There weren't any leaks. I mean, nobody really had any track on who he was going to hire. I think he did a great job uh, in that way. But I'd heard Brian Kelly's name. I heard that Scott Woodward was intrigued by him. But the original, I mean, the initial uh, outreach was pretty much met with he wasn't interested. And he came back after him and uh, pulled it off, lured him down here. And um, I have to give him credit. I mean, just the last seven months, let's look at it from an LSU fan's perspective. They've hired Kim Mulkey away from Baylor, where she was very happy and very successful. Uh, Jay Johnson away from Arizona, where he was very happy and very successful. And now they get Brian Kelly away from Notre Dame, and he was happy and successful. That's hard to do. I mean, you're getting premier Especially program, Kelly. premier, yeah, premier coaches. Uh, you know that that's a tribute to Scobert. I mean, people. Uh, I think LSU fans should feel really good about the direction of the program athletically. I mean, he has a vision, I think, to win championships in multiple sports. And um, I think getting Kelly gives them that shot. In this day and age, J.D., I think at the level that LSU is at, the elite level, you really have to be almost a CEO as much as you do a football coach. And that's what he hired. He hired a, a grown-up to run the program. And now he's got to put together a great staff that can go out and recruit. That's not a – Brian Kelly's at this age is not the guy that's going to be out flying across the country and doing that. He's going to leave it up to his staff. So he's got to get a great young staff that's energetic – I think he will. And LSU recruits itself to some degree. I mean, you know this. You've covered high school sports here. Kids want to play at LSU. I mean, they, they just do. It's a cool place. It's got great uh, sex appeal for a program. I think they'll continue to get great players. Now can they put together a staff that can match up with the Alabamas and the Georgias? Uh, that's going to be his challenge. Um, but he's won everywhere he's been, and he's won at places that are hard to win. And when you look back at – what he did at like Grand Valley State won two national titles. He won the Mid American Conference title at Central Michigan. Then he goes to Cincinnati. They go to the Orange Bowl and the Sugar Bowl at Cincinnati. I mean, it just doesn't right. happen. I know it's good. They're good now, but back then it didn't happen. And then winning at the high level at Notre Dame. I know it's Notre Dame, but they have incredible limitations on who they can get into school there. It's not like everywhere else. It's not like anything in the SEC except maybe Vanderbilt. So for him to win at that level at Notre Dame means he had to recruit nationally. And in this day and age, that's hard to do in South Bend, Indiana. So I, I think it's a home run hire. And uh, I think he will get LSU back very quickly, very quickly back into the national conversation. I agree. And, um, you know, I guess if there's one thing that just concerns me, just the slightest bit in a, I guess he didn't have a choice if he wanted the job, but I guess it worries the. It kind of concerns me that he leaves Notre Dame when they have a chance to go to the playoffs this year. Um, I mean, a realistic chance. I mean, I know. Yeah. It's it's probably less than than twenty five percent, but still a realistic chance if if KS Saturday happens this week, or maybe even if Cincinnati loses, they're in. Um, right. Which is a possibility. So I, I that that kind of bothers me a little bit that that he would just up and leave at this point in the season. But I'm guessing Woodward said 
if you want the job, you got to take it now. Yeah. I think the biggest, you know, that phrase, you know, hate the player, you know, hate the game, don't hate the player, whatever. That's kind of what I feel like in this situation. Everybody, it's easy to take shots at these coaches because they're abandoning their team. There's really no other recourse for them. I mean, the way that college football schedule sets up, it's just a messed up schedule. There's really no other sport like it where you have a big break after the regular season, you got the bowls or you got the playoff, whatever. You're you're recruiting. Yeah, early signing period. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a bad schedule for this situation where if you're Scott Woodward, you got to get somebody. And what do you do if you're Brian Kelly and it's a job you want? So I know it's an e- he's an easy target right now, and I get it. If I were at Notre Dame, I wouldn't be happy about it. Look, I'm, I'm at the University of Louisville. I'll, I'll never forget John L. Smith news breaking at a in the middle of a bowl game. Uh, right, no, it was right before a bowl game when they were playing against Ben Roethlisberger. He, I think he threw for like six touchdown passes because Louisville's team was just in a funk when the news broke before the game. So I get it, but it uh, it's um, I don't see any other way around it, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, I will say this, um, and I can't give out any names or anything because I'm sworn in secrecy, but some info that I have uh, from recruits um, that – either had decommitted or weren't sure if they wanted to stay, stay LSU commit or whatever um, is good news uh, to, to a man. Everything that I've heard from these kids through whoever um, is, is positive. They all like the Brian Kelly hire. And I think that, um, that he has a chance to have a, an excellent first class uh, come in there at LSU. I mean, I don't think that would surprise anyone. Yeah, and here's the thing that I think needs to change at LSU. And, and actually, I actually told Scott Woodward this last time I, I was I was out with him. I think they've got to do a better job in recruiting. And what I mean by that is it's not all about just getting five stars. You know, I mean, every year LSU is a top five. It's not that. They've got to do a better job of identifying who they are bringing in the building. I mean, they have way too much – uh, turnover with, and I know this happens in, in college football. It's kind of uh, an endemic to the to the sport. But you know, just because you're getting a five star guy, are you going to retain him? Is he going to develop? Is he going to have the maturity to go to class to you know be eligible to play? Yeah. You, you know, they have so many guys that they end up having off field issues with, and they're all five star, four star recruits or whatever. That doesn't do any good if they can't get out on the field if they don't produce. And they have they need to have a player personnel person there. And I think I think they do have a good one in Austin Thomas, but I think that's an area that Brian Kelly will help in. Is what I'm saying. And I, I think every year LSU gets his top five class, and how's that play paid out played out on the field the last couple of years? I will say this: I don't know, and it, it could it could have happened because I haven't been paying a, a ton of attention, but I don't remember any big names leaving Notre Dame. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know. I haven't followed it close enough. I just think the way Alabama recruits, look, yeah. they get the best of the best. They don't leave Alabama. But but the ones that are leaving, they're leaving because they, they're just not right. getting on the field. 100%. You know? Yeah, you know, that. but I just think um, that's, an, that's something that I think Brian Kelly, a CEO-type coach, will have a better handle on, and I think they'll, they'll do a better job of retaining some of these guys because it's not all about – and you know this, I think a guy's like Foster Moreau wasn't a huge recruit, but he becomes a program guy. He comes in, he develops, and he becomes a key player for, you know, your national championship team. 
you know, some of those kind of guys, uh, LSU needs to get more of those kind of guys that come in there. And kind of where Jack Mashburn is. Kind of. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The, the, you know, we saw we, – we see that at, at Alabama a lot. I mean, Mac Jones was, I think, a two- or three-star recruit. Now he's starting quarterback in the NFL. So, it's uh, you know, find the guys that can be the program guys too uh, in addition because they're, they're going to have no shortage of elite players in the state of Louisiana that want to play at LSU. That's not going to be a problem. Don't you headed to New York this weekend? Yeah, well, a weekend after next, so we got a little break. Oh, that's here. right, that's right. It's uh, not this weekend. It's I know my days are all mixed up. So am I. I thought Tuesday. <laughs> I mean, I thought Wednesday was Tuesday, and I said it was felt felt like Monday. And I don't. I mean, I don't even know what today is. I guess it's Friday. So that's it's a good. Friday, yeah, I got uh, That's like right. I got my Monday. final my final uh, broadcast tonight in prep football. So, um, but anyway. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. Enjoy your weekend off, semi-off. I know you're not going to be completely off, but enjoy the weekend, and uh, you, get, you get to watch a lot of football on Sunday. Yeah, looking forward to it, and uh, let's do it again soon. Hopefully these guys can turn this thing around and uh, we can get back to talking about some happier situations out on the field because right now it's pretty bleak. I'll tell you what, I'll be happy. I mean, I, we don't even need to go to – they don't need to go to the playoffs. It's fine. Um, just, just make it entertaining to watch. And that, that was my whole point of last night. We're not going to go back into it. But that was my whole point about last night. At least I thought for three and a half quarters, it was at least fun to watch. So maybe we'll get that in New York. Who, who knows? Thanks a lot, Doug. Yeah. We'll, talk to, we'll talk to you Anytime, next time. buddy. All right. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Sure. Always fun. You know, and, and you know, we see it. We, I used to think we saw things way differently than we, than we did. I don't think that's really the case, though. I think we're. I think any realistic person sees this team the way that it is. It's not a playoff team, but for God's sake, at least make it fun to watch. We're talking about the Saints, obviously not Brian Kelly. I mean, Brian Kelly's going to be just fine. We talked all about Brian Kelly the other day. Um, go back and listen to episode number thirty. So I, you know, but going back to the Saints, it's just, it is what it is. It's, it's, it's going to be like this for the rest of the year. And like Dunk said, um, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback hangover. 15 years with the same guy will do that. We'll get over it eventually. Let's get to Uncle Big Nick. Um, Five Star Friday. It's more like one star Friday last week. We both stunk up the joint. We have had our good weeks, but I tell you what, when we have our bad weeks, they're bad. And last week was pretty bad. I got my four star right. He got his one star right and everything else either pushed or stunk. So we're going to change that this week because it's conference championship week. Let's hear what the picks are. Uncle Big Nick on five star Friday. lost my daughter a lot of money last week yeah i did right before christmas too i'll get it back I, before christmas gets back i mean you want me to buy a barbie dream house and i can't even buy a barbie outhouse you should have saved up the money from the two weeks i did good 
I'm not smart enough to save up money for many weeks. Look who's talking. Is it? Is any gambler? <laughs> I mean, you want me to save money? That's that's insane. Uncle Big Nick, welcome to the Datitude Podcast. Um, you know, we 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 rail on transparency, so we ha- we have to be honest to the listeners who are new. The ones that have been listening on a regular basis know you. We both really stunk up the joint, but you especially stuck up the joint. You went one and four, and the only one you got right was your one star pick. You got your land. You have Georgia minus twenty one over Georgia Tech in the first half. That seemed like the easiest one of the bunch. You should have made that your five star pick. Me, the only pick I got right was my teaser, which I've been doing well on teasers. Vikings plus nine over San Francisco. Bengals plus one and a half over the Steelers. Bengals probably should have been my my pick of the week. And knockout, too. But that's a whole other story. We're not going to go there because we're going to get rolling into picks. How do you feel about your picks last night? Oh, overall, just to let everybody know, I'm 16, 18, and 1, 57 total points. And you are, and that's in seven weeks. Uh, Nick, you are, you got one point last week, 15 and 20 overall, 49 points total. Hey, at least it's still better than you were about four weeks ago. You got all your points yeah, in like two weeks. I can't get any worse this week. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> Actually, you, it's feast you, of famine. You you can get worse. You got a point last week, so you can get worse. Yeah, you're right. I'm all right, hoping just, to not get worse. Just a reminder, everybody, what we do is every week we pick five, four, three, two, one pit stars, uh, one point for one star, five points for five star, and so on. The only caveat is you get – Double points wherever you put your parlay if you get it right. Um, and so we do a underdog, a favorite, a parlay, which is where you got to pick two, got to get them both right. We do a teaser, which is you got to pick two, but you get a six-point bonus uh, for those, and you get them both right. And then we do a lanyard pack, which is something weird, um, either a first half or a prop bet or something like that. And so... So let's get right into it. Your one-star pick this week is your teaser. You've got Georgia-Alabama under 56. Wake Forest-Pitt over 66.5. I definitely like the Georgia-Alabama under. I'm not so sure about Wake Forest-Pitt. Go ahead and uh, talk me into it. Well, I mean, Wake Forest, it's going to be a shootout, just like that Army game that was 70-56, to I think. And the four combined losses that these two teams have, they scored 39 points average in their losses, these two teams. There you go. That, that, and Wake, that's a good reason. Wake Forest hasn't seen a quarterback like this kid Pickett yet. That's going to be the best quarterback they've seen. I think it's going to be up and down the field just a score fest. I really do. Yeah, I think uh, I think Wake Forest can't stop anybody, uh, whether Pitt slows them down enough to keep it under 66 and a half. That does seem awful low. For that kind of game, any game with Wake Forest in it, it's under 66, under 70. It's kind of weird. So I find that a strange. Well, that's, why I'm, that's why I'm teasing it because it's 72. I'm trying something different with my teaser. I've been trying gotcha. NFL teasers, and that's been terrible. <laughs> so All right. I'm trying over under teasers to see what's going on. And I'll, I'll talk about the Bama under because I got that in a two-star actually too. So, All right. My one-star pick is I'm going to – be in the NFL, and I'm a user. This is where I usually put my parlay. I've been kind of moving it around. I'm moving it back to my one star, my parlay. Remember, you got to hit both legs of it to win, but you usually win. 
2.6 times your money. So if you bet 20 bucks on a parlay and you hit it, you get $52. So my parlay this week is under 45 and a half in the Arizona Chicago game where it's supposed to rain and the over 46 and a half in Minnesota Detroit. And here's my thinking there. Arizona, like I said, it's supposed to rain in Chicago. We know Chicago has trouble scoring the scoring the football. Arizona, they may or may not get Kyler Murray back as we record this. But even if they do, you, you got to think he's going to be limited. Um, I'm not 100% sold on the Arizona offense. Chicago actually defends the run fairly well. I could see easily see this being like a 14 to 12 kind of game. And then Minnesota, Detroit. Detroit uh, is going to have a tough time uh, stopping the Kirk Cousins, I think. But I think Detroit's going to get theirs. Even if DeAndre Swift doesn't play, I still think they'll be able to throw the ball and score some points. Well, Minnesota's been an over machine this year. So, I mean, yeah. I, I can, I'm with you there. And, I mean, Kirk Cousins has 23 touchdowns, three interceptions. But nobody's talking about it because his name's Kirk Cousins. Boy, they <laughs> it's, really, just, it's weird. They love to hate on Kirk Cousins. It's hilarious. Uh, all right, moving I know. on. It's, How about I don't you take it. him over Travis Simeon? Uh, you think? I take him over anybody <laughs> on his roster right now. That's a whole nother. See, you're just trying to get me riled up now. Two star, and, yeah, and I like it. it. To the folks out there that we can't rail each other. Nick is not a Saints fan in the least, and we're recording this before the Saints play Dallas on Thursday. So he can't give me grief, and I can't give I, him I, Wait, I, I got I something anymore. to say at the end about the Saints game. When we're done, okay. I, I want to okay. say something about the Saints game. I will make sure we get to that. Two-star pick. Yours, uh, you're actually done well. You're four and three with your two star, four and three with your one star. It's your Lanyap pick. You've been doing pretty good on these. First half under 25 and a half Georgia versus Alabama. I can't believe this number is this high. I mean, it's, I, I, I can't see where these two teams are going to score a lot of points in the first half. The Auburn game, now listen to this. Auburn had gave up 84 points in the last three games before they gave, played Bama. And they sacked Bryce Young seven times in that game. They had 17 plays of zero and negative yards. What do you think this Georgia line is going to do to them in the beginning? Now, Sammy no. might figure something out. The offense might figure something out. But the first half, I think, is it's a lot. I think almost a, the only thing that scares me is Alabama might have even been looking ahead to Georgia, uh, trying to prepare they for them. They're not going to look ahead when they play in Auburn. It's not going to happen. Okay. I mean, they thought they were going to roll. They, they, they always want to They always want to annihilate. I'm not saying I don't like this pick because I do, but in the grand scheme of things, I just it makes me nervous because I could easily see, um, I don't know, if Georgia doesn't get in the game right away, I could easily see it kind of go back and forth a little bit. But I like it overall. I definitely would take the under before I take the over in anything, but I don't know. It just it makes me nervous. But all your picks make me nervous right now. Two, my two-star pick where I've been absolutely <laughs> atrocious. Hey, if I'm going to be transparent, I'm be transparent. I've been good in all my picks. I have a winning record in my five-star, four-star, and three-star. My one-star, I'm three and four, so I'm only one under. But my two-star has been awful, 0-6-1. And, and I got my push last week with my lanyard with Seattle, uh, even in the first half of Washington was a push. Uh, and I got lucky to get that. My favorite is my two-star pick. Only because it's it's a square pick, which means that I'm betting with the public here, and I hate betting with the public, but I don't understand this line at all. Baltimore, the Ravens, are only giving four to the Steelers, and Ben Roethlisberger 
Looks like he needs two more wheels to make an axle. I don't understand what in the hell. I mean, he, he's terrible. And I know you can't, I guess you can't switch him out, but I'm not betting on Pittsburgh again. Well, I've been telling you he's been terrible for a month now. He I looks like the uncle that goes throw the football with the kids after eating Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, and then 15 minutes later, he says, that's like. enough. That's enough. Yeah, I'm done. I mean, and if I, you don't throw the ball directly to him, he doesn't bend down to pick it up. That's, that's exactly what he, he is. He can't bend down to pick it up. I mean, exactly. don't you feel like one really good hit and he's just going to be like going to the hospital? Yeah, I do. I, mean, it, I, like, I don't know. I don't know why they got him out there. I mean, it's, he's, it's like the Mike Tyson game when you when you beat Glass Joe or whatever it is in the first round. Yeah, what, what, yeah. I mean, that's what that's what he's like. I can't I can't do the noise, but I can hear the noise in my head. Oh my god. Anyway, I'm taking Baltimore minus four. I don't care if it's square. You could play the hip to be square song, whatever you want to do. I don't. I don't. I, I got to take Baltimore there. Three star, your is your favorite, and you got the Rams minus thirteen over Jacksonville. And I've already told you that I completely disagree with this pick. So give me your reasoning. I just think if the the, the Rams have got to get right sooner or later, right? I mean, if you can't you know get right against Jacksonville, said that about Kansas City, and it it took them about six games. We kept betting on. I mean, people kept betting on them before we realized, hey, stop betting on Kansas City. Right. Well, I'm gonna do this one more week, and then I'm gonna stop betting on the Rams. Um, Somebody talked me into the Rams last week, even though I wanted to take Green Bay. I didn't talk anybody into the Rams. It wasn't one of my big picks. It was part of a – I think I had that as part of a parlay, and you know what I think about parlays. I don't hardly ever play parlays, by the way. And Jacksonville's got to travel cross-country. I mean, I I don't know. I I just can't see Jacksonville even showing up for this game. But Jacksonville, the same thing happened in in Indy when they went to Indy, but down 17-0. Next thing you know, their defense is pretty good. So the offense stinks to high hell, but I don't know. I, I think Jacksonville's going to cover. I'm not. I'm not ready for the Rams. The Rams aren't good enough right now for me to give two touchdowns to anybody. But anyway, that's your three star. Hey, I. I you know, they're uh, they're a weird. But if thing. they win by if they win by two touchdowns, I win. So I'm not really giving two touchdowns. Oh, there you go. Uh, the weird <laughs> here's the weird world of our picks this week. Your three star, you're picking an NFL game, and in my three star, I'm picking a Lanyap, which is a college game and you know how I, how well I do with college, but I love this pick so much. I'll put it in there as my lanyard pick, Iowa, Michigan under 22 and a half in the first half. Like you said, Iowa might not score. And I certainly don't see them more scoring more than two touchdowns. I mean, scoring more than a touchdown in the first half. And I don't think Michigan's going to score more than two touchdowns. So there you go. I mean, I, th- this could be one of those just dog fights. So I, I, I see Iowa and Michigan jumping out and trying to feel each other out before they finally start figuring things out in the second half. Well, Michigan's not going to run all over Iowa like they did Ohio State. I mean, it's just... I can see this being one of the Big Ten 17-10 games. Yeah. You know, like just completely ugly and just bad. And they're not going to score them all in the first half. So there you go. That's my pick. No. Iowa, Michigan under in the first half. Okay, moving on. Your four-star pick is your parlay. Uh, Kent State, Northern Illinois, over 74 and a half. You also have Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers, given two and a half to a team that was number 15 in the country just two weeks ago, Texas San Antonio, who got blown out. You won some money with, with uh, that pick against North Texas last week. But uh, now you're... Now you're UTSA and you're getting points, but you're 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 taking the Hilltoppers. 
Yeah, I like this pick. I mean, the last time W uh, Western Kentucky lost was against UTSA. They lost by six points. It was week four, I think. And then they won seven in a row. And this, this Kentucky team just got right. I, I was riding UTSA for a while, and now I've been fading them the last three weeks. I, I don't know what happened to them, but they just going downhill. I trust Western Kentucky a lot more than I trust UTSA right now. It just makes me wonder. Get, get, yeah, in a championship game, even if it is the Sun Belt, still, I don't know, kind of iffy, especially as part late yeah. parlay, but. But Kent State, Northern Iowa, we know Northern oh Illinois, we know they've been scoring points galore. Oh, this Kent State team is ridiculous scoring points. They scored 95 last week when I had the over 60, what, 65, 66. Yeah. yeah. The last time these two teams played, they combined to score 99. Well, I like that happening so. for sure. Um, the, my four star is where I've been my most successful. Was five, I'm five and two in my four star. I'm going underdog here. The Houston Texans have been playing fairly well. I mean, I know they lost to the Jets last week. They didn't cover, but it was still a close game. I I, I just, I think right here, they're playing Indianapolis is in a flat spot. They're about to go into their bye, and then they got to play New England. So coming off a big game last week, losing to Tampa Bay, I think Indy wins, but I don't think they cover the nine-point spread. That's too many points for this Colts team to give. Yeah, I like this. I, I think you're right. You said they got a bye next week, right? Indy does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They they looking ahead to this bye. They just want to get in, get out, get a win. Yeah, any way they can. All Especially right, with a bye this this late in the season. Oh yeah, I mean, which is ridiculous. That's a whole another story, by the way. Week fourteen buys. Yeah. Whoever decided that? I mean, look. Why can't you just play? I don't. I, here's another one thing, and I'm going to go off on a tangent for thirty seconds. But why can't you just have like eight teams on a bye four weeks in a row and just get them over with? I never understood that. It's not that big of a deal. So you have four games at noon, three games at three. You still have all your other games. It's not that big of a deal. Just just get them over with in like week eight, nine, ten, and eleven, and then they're done. I know it sucks fantasy football, but I was about to say two words for you: fantasy football. Yeah. Well, I can't believe that's, <laughs> that's funny. why anything in the NFL. That's insane. But uh, that's another story for another that's day. That's DraftKings draft and all is involved. So, I mean, yeah. well, DraftKings, uh, I've lost a lot of money, not not with my draft picks, but with my DraftKings stock. Have you seen DraftKings stock the last last couple of weeks? It has lost half yeah, of its value why. in three months. Why? In three I months. I have no idea why. It's gone from 60 to 30 in three months. So, I should have sold it. I knew I should have sold it when I got to 60. DraftKings. I think it's because of Caesars. I mean, Caesars is put, putting on such a strong, a strong, push. you know, push. I, I think that it, that's part of it. And also, um, I, I know that there were some internal things going on at DraftKings too. But they're in trouble, man. I mean, it, at what point do you jump off the boat? I mean, we talk about this isn't a stock show, but when you lose half your money on one stock in three months, it makes you wonder. That's for sure. It's, well, it's not my fault. I still use it for my golf roundup, so I'm I'm contributing. Yeah, well, I've I've contributed here and there as well. My five, your five star <laughs> pick. Uh, I had Houston in my four star. You have Houston, but a different Houston in your five star pick. Your underdog pick is Houston plus ten and a half over the Cincinnati Bearcats in the American Conference Championship game. I think Cincinnati loses this game outright, just because of how crazy this college football season has been, and. Think about the pressure on this team right now. 
not only do they have to go in there and think about winning, they have to go in there and think about impressing the committee with a win. So, I mean, I just think there's too much pressure on this team, and they may win. I'm not going to be surprised if they win, but I'll be really surprised if they win by double digits. I don't know if they're at a point where they have to impress, because I don't think that, I think the rest of the, if, I mean, what's, here's a good question. What And I, I think I know the answer, but say Georgia beats Alabama like 14, and Cincinnati wins by three. Do you really take a two-loss Alabama team before you take an undefeated Cincinnati team? No, you don't. But what if Bama happens to beat Georgia? Well, then where's Cincinnati? I mean, I think Bama and Georgia are going anyway. So, because my answer is, I wouldn't personally. But I think that it's such a it's such a bunch of BS. This this playoff, the NCA is the biggest money laundering scheme on the planet. NCA football. I mean, it is a joke. I mean, you know, they're not in you know it. Doesn't be a good matter thing at to all. Look at, a good thing to look at with this, and I haven't, I should have. I'm just thinking about it. Does, if Cincinnati plays before Bama, Cincinnati if, if, Bama plays. if Cincinnati plays after Bama and Bama loses, they don't have to impress as much. You understand what I'm saying? I do. Um, I know, ba- I think they play either at the same time or Cincinnati plays first. You know what? I got it right here. I'm going to tell you right now. I know Bama plays at three, but I don't know what time Cincinnati plays. I think I want to say they play at eleven. Let me let me look it up. Here it is, right here, live radio, boys and girls, the American. They play at three. They both play at the same time. Well, it uh, don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> they just gonna have to go out there and try and do what they can do. But I agree with you. I like this pick. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to probably go when I go to Harris. Uh, I'm probably going to go put a little put a little juice on the, on the Houston money line. In fact, I got a little. Little chaos money line parlay that I'm going to talk about that I'm talking about on Big Bucks. Uh, I talked about yesterday. Um, I'll be doing that too. So. Well, we'll see what happens. All right, that is your five star. My five star pick of the week is my. I don't heart. In fact, never. I've never ever before. I don't think teased anything that had to do with college football. But in this case, the first half leg of my teaser, I love it. Georgia minus a half a point over Alabama. And the Philadelphia Eagles minus a half a point over the Jets, which means we talk about teasers and trying to get through certain numbers. and get. So I'm at a point where to win this teaser, all that has to happen, and Lord knows it might not. But Georgia has to beat Alabama, and the Eagles have to beat the Jets. That seems way too easy, doesn't it? Yeah, and this is why you're beating me in points because your five-star is killing my five-star. You're shooting threes like Steph Curry, and I'm shooting them like Russell Westbrook. So, I mean, this is yeah. – I'm, I'm mad I found this, this teaser, but you're way better at teasers than I am. Well, so, then you need to go play it. I probably will. Play? All right, well, let's see what happens. I, I've already played it, to be honest. I've already put it in. Uh, so, that's my teaser. Georgia has to beat Alabama. Philadelphia Eagles have to beat the Jets. It's a no-brainer, which means it's got no shot. It, uh, it's gonna lose. Yeah, it's it's definitely gonna lose. Especially uh, whenever I make a bet on Wednesday, it loses. But uh, I'm just kidding. It's not that bad. We're gonna have confidence. We're gonna we're gonna go like we're each gonna go four and one this week. We're gonna shock the world, and we're gonna talk about chaos next week. I want a five and zero. Oh. I haven't had a five and zero. Oh. I had two four and ones. Five and zero oh would be nice. But uh, I tell you what, yeah. if you if you're five and zero, oh, uh, we'll have to rub it in Conductor Dave's face because. Dave's back on Fridays next week. Oh, 
Because speaking of conductor, Dave, I wanted to get to that Saints take. Okay. Okay. Everybody has teams that they hate. Dallas is on the top of that list for me, even more than the Saints. So I'm a huge Saints fan this week, okay? I'm hoping that Taysom... By the way, remember, we're recording this on Wednesday. By the time people hear this, the game will already have been played. So be careful. Don't go too far into it. Go ahead. All right. My thing is I want Taysom to have like four touchdowns, play a perfect game, and then I want to hear Conductor Dave on Friday. Because he will be, he will be like Elf in the movie Elf, Will Ferrell. There's no it, doubt. It would be there, ridiculous. There's no doubt. And so, you know, I'm going to, as soon as this recording goes off and then I come back with my live recap of what we've done, I'll be able to tell the people, hey, remember, I'm sorry, Taysom threw four picks and <laughs> <laughs> it'll be so. I don't know what I want more, him to play great or him to play bad. I don't know what would be. Funny of for conductor David to come on. Don't that train me would crash so quick. I won't. You could be at the game. I'll, I'll be at the dome anyway. That's true. Well, Uncle Big First Nick. It's Friday morning, though. Yeah, I know. We're looking forward to the conference championship games this weekend. Big week 13 in the NFL. Let's go win these people some money and stop taking from my daughter's Barbie dollhouse. I'll try not to. I mean, you heard me say. I mean, we really did record that on Wednesday. So when I said when Taysom throws four picks, oh, my goodness, he really threw four picks. I didn't, I mean, come on. Oh, life is so funny. It always punches you back, you know. Life always punches you back. Oh, you're getting a little bit too big for your britches. Here you go. Take that. And again, I mean, you couldn't have thought he was going to do that even like early in the middle of the third quarter. Oh, my goodness. Stuff happens, right? All right, that's going to wrap it up for episode 31. We've had more fun on a Friday than we could possibly imagine after a Saints loss. I want to give a shout-out to Caesar Sportsbook, who's an exclusive partner with us at the Advocate Times Pecune and bet.nola.com. A reminder, we have a link on bet.nola.com where you can download the app and get a free $100 bet when it goes live. Uh, so go check that out. Don't forget about our shows each Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Um, I was at Live at Harris yesterday, and uh, Zach was in New Jersey, and we had James Carville on live, and he was in New York, and Devin Jackson was at a home office in New Orleans, and it was, it was an interesting show. It was fun. Uh, and look, as I have at the end of each of my recent shows, I want to remind those who live in St. Tammany Parish about the big vote coming up on December 11th, how we need need the Camellia Bay Casino in Slidell. Jobs for the community, many family-friendly events, and despite the bogus statements made by the opponents, it has been proven that casinos better the community in a multitude of ways, including less crime. Besides that, all the money that's going to Mississippi right now from those in New Orleans East, and throughout the North Shore, that money's going to stay here in St. Tammany and in the state of Louisiana. Vote yes on December the 11th. Also, I will remind all of you, once again, you can email me at jderry at theadvocate.com or tweet at me, as many of you have, at Jim Derry Jr. on Twitter. 
Uh, I respond to just about everything unless you're eh, out in jerk land. Even then, I usually respond with something sarcastic. I, I, I've lived in jerk land a little bit myself, so uh, I know how to do that. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the Datitude Podcast. If you haven't already, if you're just listening to this for the first time, you search for Datitude, or if you listen to it on bet.know.com, you don't know where to find my podcast uh, or know, know how to find podcasts. It was, it was kind of interesting when I started this thing. A lot of my friends didn't know how to even find podcasts. Well, you go to your phone. Uh, you get the app for podcast. If you, most of you have it on your phone already, especially if you have an iPhone. And you go into it and you search for Datitude. It's Attitude with a D. And you click subscribe and you uh, your notifications will tell you every time there's a new Datitude. And that is every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Although I do want to say, and I meant to mention this early in the show, there is going to be no Datitude on Monday. I'm going to take... I'm not going to take the day off of work per se, but I'm going to take a datitude off on Monday. Last chance, I guess, with the Saints uh, playing on Thursday. You know what? I'm going to take an extended weekend too. Um, I am going to work some from home on Monday, but I'm no datitude. We'll, we'll come back on Wednesday and we will um, pick it up from there um, and start looking ahead to Saints and Jets. Uh, we'll also. I guess know what bowl game LSU is going to play in by then. So we'll talk about that as well. Get into all that. And uh, I want to thank Jeff Duncan for coming on. Always uh, makes me feel better after Dunk's on. Uncle Big Nick uh, with his picks. And I'm telling you, we're going to do better. I don't know who my guests are going to be next week. But um, I'm certain we'll have Conductor Dave and Uncle Big Nick on next Friday. Yes, Conductor Dave moves on about that. I know that we're going to be talking some high school football playoffs at some point next week as well. I'll probably do that on Wednesday. So maybe that's what we're going to talk about Wednesday and Friday. We'll talk about high school playoffs. We'll talk about our picks. We'll preview Saints-Jets. And we'll talk about where LSU's going in their bowl game. And maybe a brief hit hit here and there on the Pelicans. That is going to do it, though. We appreciate you joining us again, whether you're a first-time listener or whether you've been with us from the beginning. We love you. Come back. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Peace and love, my friends. Nothing from nothing.